0: Prayer campaign. We have 20 days left till the gathering of intercessors and 21 days left until the One Blood revival in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And today we are asking. For all those who are serious about seeing revival, come to Baton Rouge and to our nation to join us in a final 21-day fast leading up to the revival. Let us rend the heavens with prayer and fasting, showing forth our sincerity and desperation for a holy visitation from the Lord God Almighty himself. As well as showing forth a physical state of mourning for the spiritual state of our nation and the churches of it. We are putting out a call for you to join us in the fight to dethrone every seat of wickedness over the land of our inheritance. This is a fight to the finish that Jesus said would only be won through prayer and fasting. When he told the disciples that if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to these powers and principalities and say, "Mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and they must obey. However, this kind will not be cast out, but by prayer and fasting. So we are asking for you to join us in this fight.
1: Praise the Lord. This morning, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Isaiah, the first chapter. We're going to look at the first verse. This morning... Led by the Holy Spirit, the title of the message is, Let Us Reason Together. Let Us Reason Together. And This morning is going to be a a message of reflection. It's going to be a message on rebellion. Some personally, but I believe the word of the Lord this morning is more saying to the church as a corporate body. For the parents in this room, y'all know what it's like when the child rebels. Can all the frustrated parents say amen? Amen. Than the supreme God of all the universe who holds everything in his hands, anything he speaks is, and yet we rebel. How much more frustrated would it make God? But thank God, his patience surpasses ours. Amen? So for his omnipotence increased to us, he also increases in patience. But let us reason together. Amen. Pray with me and for me. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, God, and I pray right now, Lord, that your spirit would speak to me, would speak in me, would speak through me. God, you are the teacher, you are the preacher, you are the evangelist, you are the apostle, you are the bishop, you are the deacon, God, in every facet. Lord, we know that it is only the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yokes of bondage. So God, in this moment, in this time, God, as I deliver the word, I honor you first and foremost. Before breaking the bread, God, break mine in the name of Jesus Christ, God. By your blood, by your mercy, anoint my lips to speak what it is you would have me speak, God. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto the church. Through your love and your mercy, you are here today to give us and deliver us the truth of the Word of God. I ask, God, that you would anoint my spirit to deliver it in a manner that you would have me deliver it. And everything I trust in you, God, for you remember my frame, but I am dust. So speak to us now in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. As we're in Isaiah chapter 1, if my wife can pull up on the screen, the opener, Ezekiel 44 verse 6. Because this message, and to preface it, I want you all to know that this message is going to be a message on rebellion. Ezekiel 44 verse 6, it says, And thou shalt say unto the rebellious even to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you, of all of your abominations. You see, as the church, we are meant to reach out and be fishers of men. We are meant to bring in and graft these Gentiles as we have been grafted in. We are commissioned of God to grow the kingdom of God. But the word of God also says, it's not in my notes, that judgment begins at the house of God. And I pray that through the anointing, that this word is going to come forth in clarity and not out of condemnation. Amen the reason God warns us is so we can correct things. Amen? Amen. And I've had to learn a very hard lesson of God's correction and rebuke is to be welcomed and not to be offended over. Amen? Amen? So let us reason together. And the word reason would stand to reason, that it is about reasoning, what to most would be considered common sense, that we can come together and reason with one another and find what we might call commonality or common ground. Amen? So in Isaiah chapter 1, if you don't know, give a little quick history. Isaiah is a is a powerful book because it's been said, and I, I think can't argue with that, but the first 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah actually parallels the first 27 books of the Bible. Well, the last 39 of the book very much mimics the New Testament. So it's been said that Isaiah is in what some might call a mini Bible, the Bible within the Bible. Isaiah <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 1. Everybody have us say amen. amen. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and the days of Uzziah concerning Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, that was the introduction, hear and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken, I have nourished and brought up the children and they have rebelled against me. As a pastor, this is not an easy message. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. The temptation is to be a minister of all good, softy, lovey-dovey, encouraging things. Well, if you're a pastor, you know what I'm talking about. It's much more enticing to, to be the make everybody feel good. How many of y'all know that the Word of God doesn't always make you feel good? And I want everybody to know that this word, as always, and any time that I'm preaching, is just as much for me as it is for everybody else. Amen? If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know one thing. The Israelites couldn't keep it together. They get it right for a while, but eventually they backslide. Eventually they rebel. Well, this is just one snapshot in all of the Old Testament where Isaiah is dealing with the issue of rebellion, saying, "...to give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken and nourished and brought up children." and they have rebelled against me. Verse 3 says, "...the ox knoweth his owner." Think of it as God the Father, and we are his children. Amen? So you, you can already tell where this is going. Verse 3 just makes me stop and say, oh Lord, here we go. He's saying, through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah says, "...the ox knows his owner, and the donkey, his master's crib. But Israel has no idea my people don't even consider." In other words to say, Danny, the donkey is smarter than you. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the prophet, it the name in this case it's Isaiah, who says, even the ox knows his master. In verse 4, it says, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger, and they are gone away backward. Church, whether we realize this or not, or believe it or not, but if you've been saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, born again, filled with the Spirit, you can go back. You can backslide. It is a biblical reality. In fact, Jesus said, "It's have no pleasure in those that have put their hand to the plow, but look back. I say this, A inspiration of the Holy Spirit says this is the word, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is no secret, turn on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, turn on the TV, and you know that the nation of the United States is no longer the nation that we used to be. When Obama said these words that we are no longer a Christian nation, I was immediately offended, very offended. And as much as I find it offensive, I can't help but recognize the validity of those words. We have moved from one nation under God to one nation under Baal. And again, I'm not speaking to Sister Tammy, howbeit if the Holy Spirit has something to speak to, but by all means, I'm not speaking even necessarily to me as the individual being led of the Holy Spirit or us as individuals. Normally, Pastor Glenn has this mantle and anointing to talk to you on a corporate level of a nationwide judgment. And I pray that God anoints me for that as well. But I want us to grasp the reality. Here's the thing, guys. We have been taught by modern Christianity that come to Jesus, roses in the park, he loves us, he'll forgive us. Is any of that wrong? Not at all. But what the problem is, that same camp will also eliminate books and passages and verses and chapters just like this that talks about God being angry that talks about the fire and brimstone, that talks about the punishments of a willful, rebellious people, which only denotes the reality of the necessity of holiness. Or shall we say this word, simply put, obedience to Christ? Oh, you're a good, good father, but I'm a bad, bad child. Who you are, it's who I am. Y'all see that? I'm not trying to be rude, but you see how in a rebellious, willful, no to the truth, as Miranda said in Sunday school, but willfully rebellious, we raise our hands, as, and again, the modern church. I, I'm, I'm preaching a message that involves the American Christianity, okay? So, so let's, let's put the nail on the head where it's at, is that this is the state in which we live where we have more books on Jesus. We got more MP3s and more podcasts and more YouTubes. All coming out of this nation, and we are the most. Well, I don't say the most. Let me let me not go there. Compared to other nations, uh, I'd say we are we we're going there. Let's say it that way. We are going there. I feel the Lord is wanting it to come out to recognize that church. It's about to get real. I don't know if y'all have heard this. This was very cool. It was a meme. I uh, think went pretty viral. It said that if God does not punish the United States of America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And if we as Christians want to hang on to the things of God that makes us feel good, or let me say this, the things of God that would even make our flesh feel good, the flesh, but nah, I don't know about all this, you know, wrathful, angry God part. How many of y'all know God gets angry? But how many of y'all know the same God that gets angry is also the same God that comes running? when you choose to come back to the master's house. And then he ran to me, took me in his arm, held my head to his chest, and said, my son's come home again. That's our God. But right now we're reading out of Isaiah 1 that is talking about a child who is willfully rebelling against his father. Now skip to verse 10. For the sake of time, I welcome you to take this home and read all. But verse 10, skipping there, here. The word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Take into account, Sodom has been destroyed. Historical fact. Sodom has been destroyed, but what is he saying? He's actually calling them rulers of Sodom. Last I checked, the same passage involved the same audience, which is Israel. Everybody say, wow. Mm. Spiritual rulers of Sodom give ear unto the law. Ye people of Gomorrah. In other words, that's it, emphasizing the reality of how much they've backslid. Some have said it's, it's not good to question God. I, 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 I'm on the fence of that. I'd say that's, that's okay so long as we're still trusting him. I question God a lot. I say, God, I don't understand why, but you know what? You're smarter than me. What's worse is when we question God to the point of backsliding and say, you know what, God? I'm done. I can't handle this. I don't want this. The Bible is abundantly clear. I'm going to just summarize this church and say this, that as the word of the Lord came through the prophet Moses, who said, I set thee before thee life and death, blessings and cursings, and even the, the, the easiest test you'll ever take in any exam for high school, middle school, elementary school, or college, that verse concluded giving you the answer. But I say, life choose life. Hallelujah. Choose life. And that's what it comes down to, church. We as as a nation, we as the church of the United States have to come back to the basics of the gospel that still teaches that sin is bad, hell is hot, and heaven is real. Amen. I'm burnt out, and I say this very cautiously. I understand. I'm going to say this. It's not on my notes, but I've talked and pastor has shared many a testimony he had a council of a preacher who still thinks he's saved living an adulterous affair with a congregate sleeping with a woman in his church not his wife still thinks he's saved New Orleans Las Vegas I mean where we would consider a lot of well that's just a very simple those are our modern Sodom and Gomorrah's sport. amen. Again, I'm not trying to condemn people. That's why I'm not naming names. Understanding my heart is a recognition of how far we've come from the truth. It's in our backyard, church. It's not on CNN. It's not just in New York City. It's here in our backyard where willful rebellion is saying it's all good because, well, we're human. There's more to come to see a perspective of God that does not tolerate willful sin. Preach it, validate it, and thirdly, just as important, very important, probably most important, is living it. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Amen. We have to live the Word of God. So verse 10, that was, uh, he called them Sodom and Gomorrah. He called Israel Sodom and Gomorrah. And check this out. Now listen, this is where it gets harsh. Everybody say, this gets harsh. harsh. Everybody say, "Don't don't blame Danny. Everybody say, it's God's Word. Here we go. Verse 11. Y'all ready? Yeah. To what purpose is the multitude of your worship services? Pause. What does it accomplish to come to church and lift holy hands? The multitude, not even just sacrifice. You do it a lot saith the lord i am full of the burnt offerings and rams you brought the worship services you've done these things you've even you've even fasted you've even done those things bullocks lambs of course he goats we're talking about this is historical context but the application to take it we don't sacrifice bulls and goats amen sacrifice of praise the doings of modern christianity which are validated in the new testament that are good the Word of God says, man, look at the outside. Oh, we got our hands raised. Look at, I'm on the front pew. Praise the Lord. There's a stronger anointing the closer you get this way. See, I'm just talking about the, the, the foolishness of our views of what we see on the outside, right? But God looks at the And that's where he's talking about. He, he referred to the Pharisees. You beat yourselves to make yourselves look like you've been persecuted for God, Jehovah's sake. You're fasting and you're showing it off. You're not te- holding back from the right to the left. They're talking like this. Some of y'all will get that later. Because <laughs> Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You're bragging about your service to God. But all of these things, he said, you bring so much of it. Verse 12, it says, when you come to appear before me who hath required at his hand to tread in my courts. Woo. And now verse 13, he actually tells you to stop. For those of you who don't necessarily have your Bible, look on the screen. Bring no more vain oblation. I'm always reminded of the verse, and I'll never stop quoting it. God, and I pray this quite often. How many of y'all know we get tired? <laughs> Restore unto me. The joy of my salvation. We've all been there. Pastor, we've all been there. And renew a right spirit within me. Our flesh may get tired. Even Jesus admitted it to his disciples. The flesh is weak, but we can't have a sense of obligation. We can't come to God in a sense of, here we go. Because he's actually saying out of oblations, don't do it anymore because it's vain. The incense is an abomination to me. It's In the biblical symbolism, incense is worship and prayer. Incense is burned, it goes up. It's what comes from us to Him. The calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. I, I, I preach this message, Brother Kenneth, again with a very heavy heart. Israel is the church. The church is modern Israel. Israel is God's chosen people, but when Christ came and died and they preached it to the Gentiles, they've been grafted in. Guess what? All of the church that has been born again is Israel. We've been grafted in. We may not be biological. There's nothing wrong with stepkids. We're in the family. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Praise God for stepkids. But this is a message to us. He's telling us the church in the United States, we have a, a, a pandemic in the United States today where we're doing vain obligations. Remember, this is a corporate word to be reminded of how far the state of the church has become. We've got all of these sacraments. But notice what God is saying. If you are rebellious, you are Sodom and Gomorrah, you're doing it with an outward obligation you know what he says? He calls it iniquity. He said, I cannot. Away with it. Away with it. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, verse 14, my soul hateth. Oh, Jesus. The, the customs, the, the obligate, the, all those things that we get caught up, the, the isms of Christianity, that if it's done in a rebellious heart, God says that he hates it. If you stand before God and hear me, that is not a sense of condemnation. And Lord knows that I have been the, benefic- the beneficiary of God's mercy. And thank God it's there. But it's when we're trampling his mercy saying, I will still do what I want to Monday through Saturday, but I want to worship you, Lord. When I was a drug addict, I told my dad I would not want to play the harlot. And that's one thing I don't like to do. If I'm not sincere, if I'm not ready, I don't want to be a part of it. I'd rather be cold than lukewarm. Amen. But these are words that you're never going to hear on modern Christian television. Look at this word on the screen. I'm going to circle it just to make sure that we heard this word. God, wait, but God is a God of love. But he hates our hypocrisy. He hates it when we continually come to Him as though everything is fine. If you have a spouse who is willfully cheating on you and taking you out on dates and has no conviction over that, it's the same with God. If you can imagine trying to tolerate a spouse who every day is with another person and still, oh, let's do this, let's go to the zoo, let's have fun, we're going to spend time together, no conviction. That's exactly what Israel and the modern church of the United States of America is doing to God today, this very moment on Sunday morning. We need revival, church, now more than ever. And God spoke this to my heart. And because of the reality of God doesn't change, amen? His character is consistent. Everybody say "consistent consistent character. That character never changes. So again, where I'm at, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But he gave Nineveh a reprieve. And why is that? Because they repented. And I, and I, I present this before you today. And very simply put, God spoke it in my heart. Our nation is either going to be a Sodom and Gomorrah or a Nineveh. And I've heard many of great men and women of God that have preached this, this theme and have said that it's the church's fault. I agree with that. Let's just say this. We haven't been praying because I'm all for voting in Christian politicians but I'm even more in favor of praying buried a head in a crate until God bursts the revival like Azusa Street. It's a lot easier to get changed politically when our spiritual state have been healed. Amen? Verse 15, And when you spread forth your hands, look at that church. It says, And when you spread forth your hands, Oh Jesus, look at this, I will hide mine eyes from you. Look, it's, it's one of those, how did we miss this, church? With most people in the church today, if they ever read that, they'd be like, what? God's hiding his eyes. God says that he hates our vain obligation. He hates our sacrifices because we have no intent to change. Again, validating, pastor. It's the word. It's not mine. Amen? When you make many prayers, oh, Lord Jesus, let's not lose focus. He's talking about a hypocritical people who claim to be children of God but are living anything but. He already called them out to be Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is the state in the church. And going back to what I was trying to say that that I was having a conversation, he was a youth pastor. He didn't understand that once we get saved freely by his grace through faith that the grace was meant for us to live holy. Holy. The idea that Christians can still continue living willful, habitual, unrepentant sin is insane to me. How shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, Paul says. Romans 6, 1, verse 2, he says, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? But this is the church If we've been grafted into Israel, we dare not fall sway to the victimhood that they fell to. We are Israel church, and we can fall victim to the same people that God said, you are Sodom, you are Gomorrah, and I hate your worship. And when you lift your hands toward me, I'm going to turn. I will hide my eyes from this. Oh, man. And he says there, when you pray, I'm going to... Everybody who told me Oh, Jesus, here's your prayers. As a pastor, I have to be extremely cautious of my words when it comes to just a random person. They don't know the word. A lot of good-hearted people, they're learning, right? And I'm not arrogant. I'm not prideful. But when they say these, it's like, all right, can you, have, you have a few minutes. Let's take it to the word. <laughs> if, everybody say if. Yeah. You are in sin willfully. Everybody say Willfully. Will. He turns his deaf ear. The only prayer that God ever hears from a habitual sinner is, God, forgive me of my sins, and I turn away. That's the prayer he hears. So it's not, again, it's a message of hope. But what good is hope if we have no despair? Hope feels great because I first tasted despair. Despair. I understand healing first because I first had sickness. It was because I was down and destroyed and I was addicted that I understand what deliverance is. When you stop caring what the people think about you, that's when the anointing will flow. That's why there's a lot of preachers on TV that are more concerned with the people than God and his truth. That's why I never saved anybody. That's why I doesn't heal anybody. That's why I never delivered anyone. It makes you feel good. That's about it. Now, he says that I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Now, everybody say this is where it's going to get hopeful. It's going to get hopeful. See, he's a deliverer. God is about bringing you out of the pit, not keeping you in it. His mercy is new every morning. Verse 16, here we go, church. So he says this, because of all of these abominations, these obligations, these vain sacrifices that he says, I hate, I can't stand to look at it, I'm not hearing your your vain repetitious prayers and obligations, he's saying, here's what we gotta do. This is the pivotal point and turn of the message. Wash you, make you clean. The United States of America, church, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes and hallelujah is it possible to live in holiness everybody say yes Yes. cease what does the word cease mean stop Stop doing evil hallelujah grace was not an excuse for sin it was meant to overcome it hallelujah give him praise So a message to the modern Christianity that the people whom on this podcast can hear if you are listening to sermons that do only thing but let your flesh feel good and don't preach against sin and living a holy life, it is a message, a theology, an obligation of sacrifice that the Bible says God hates. A loving God hates one thing. Sin. And if you align with the thing he hates, fill in the blank. Verse 17, learn to do well. Now, this is interesting. Seek judgment. Now, that doesn't mean I'm looking for people to point out their sin. As God leads me to and brings an intervention, a divine appointment where sin needs to be pointed out and say, look, based on Scripture, that's one thing. That's not what that means. I'm seeking for it. Brother, if, is, there, is there something I'm missing? Amen. Pastor Glenn, only you can see, you see it better than me because I'm on this end, you're on that end. Seek after judgment, seek after it. Oh, I'm excited, except for when my wife points it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the spouse does it, it's different. I can take it from the father in law. I love him. He understands me. We, we, we joke, we, we enjoy carbs. I'm leaving that alone. <laughs> but when the wife, yeah, she don't sugarcoat it at all. Worse, she's a prophet. She operates in the office. Look at Isaiah. He didn't sugarcoat that, that's, that's who we're reading from. This is actually uh, Isaiah, a prophet. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Hallelujah. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. In other words, now doing those things, firstly, Because we've been washed. You know, we can feed the the hungry, we can visit the imprisoned, and we've done it. Heart of Worship Church, literally, we've done it. And praise God, I can't wait for us to do it some more. But if we're doing that without washing ourselves first, go back to 16. This is the prerequisite before that: to be washed. I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm born again. There's a song, y'all need to hear that one. Make you clean. And put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Jesus, and some might say, oh, Old Testament, I can always validate whatever God said in the Old Testament. He also said in the New Testament. God was in operation before the blood was ever shed. In fact... As I recall it, the scripture says his blood was shed. The lamb was slain before even the foundation of the world. That atonement was already in process before they even fell. So what we read in Isaiah, my brother, we can preach it as though it's in Galatians. Cease to do evil. Come now, and here's the message. Let us reason together. Is it reasonable? Is it reasonable that Christians should look like Christ, is it reasonable for Christians to talk like Jesus? To do the things Jesus would do, and even better than all of that, abstain from the things Jesus would abstain from. Because like you just read, the things that were done were not wrong, it's just that we're doing out of an unrepented heart. There was still issues of sin that has not been washed, has not been cleansed, have not been ceased from. So we can talk like Jesus. We might even wear a robe with a purple sash. But that doesn't make us holy. It's just as important to abstain from certain things as it is to do those good things. Amen? Amen. All right. Let us reason together, saith the Lord through your sins, but thank you, Jesus. Now, this is a verse that that has been quoted, at least in my experience of being in church. Though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. But they'll only be as white as snow until you're ready to give it up. You see, I've heard that message. I've heard that verse. And all I've heard preachers preach, talking about raised in in church. That's a good verse. That's one that gets me excited. But it can only happen until we do the before, until we're ready to cease from doing evil. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Hallelujah. Verse 19. If you be willing and obedient, church. If we're willing and obedient. Everybody say and obedient. And Why is that? Because a lot of people are willing. Oh Lord, I'm ha, I'll never deny you. I'm willing. I'm gonna stand. I want to stand. I want to tell people about Jesus. There's a lot of willing people, but there's not enough obedient ones. It's willingness and obedience to that. You might get excited, you might hear your favorite preacher preached against sin, preached the baptism of the Holy Spirit, preached God's grace the way it ought to be preached. And I listen to him. I get fired up. But if you just get fired up and burn out, what good is that? That's the willingness without obedience. He wants you to be willing. Everybody say it. And And obedience. obedience. Now, the good news is it's his grace. It's good to be obedient. But if I operate in the flesh, I will fall every time. Titus chapter 2, it tells us that God's grace teaches us to live in holiness, paraphrasing. So when we are saved by grace, he sanctifies us in his grace. In other words, church, he doesn't leave you hanging. You got to climb the mountaintop. God says, here's your backpack. Good luck. I'll be watching from the cloud. That's not how God works. He says, here's my grace. God's grace is what enables us to go from willingness to obedience when I say, God, save me by your grace. Forgive me of my sin. And when his Holy Spirit comes in and transforms me, my want to has been changed. The desires have been remodeled. New creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things become new. Amen? So I want to I also, I cannot not preach on God's grace when it comes to living a holy life and being obedient because we don't have it in and of ourselves. But if you choose God's grace, you will not fail, amen? amen, hallelujah. But if you refuse and rebel, okay, connecting what I just said, make sure we're on, staying on the same page. If you're willing and obedient, great. But this next says, alternatively, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now I want to go back to the point: of United States of America. To the United States of America, modern Christianity, I speak these words. Again, you're either going to be Sodom and Gomorrah or you're going to be Nineveh. Sodom, and Gomorrah, or Nineveh. Nineveh heeded. When the voice of the prophet came forth, they repented, and even their cattle were on a fast. Y'all think I'm just saying that, but that's actually in the Scripture. So what I'm saying, church, if this nation does not turn the helm, This country will be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's not a scare tactic. That's a reality. It should shaken us to the core. As we do most, if not all Sundays, as far as I can tell, we pray for our nation. As we continue, we should. How has the faithful city become an harlot? Now, remember, this is Israel. This is the church, the modern church. How is that the faithful city has now become a harlot? It was full of judgment and righteousness, lodged in it, but now murderers. Everybody tells me, oh, there's no way that our nation can become a socialist country. I would love to believe that. But right now, every college and every university, all the, even especially all the prestigious ones, are spitting out socialists, anti-God, atheistic, God-hating, socialists, communists, that hate capitalism, that hate God, that hate everything that this nation was founded on. And unfortunately, there's coming a day when this generation will die. And that generation will remain. And if that is the case, I don't doubt for one second that is the judgment. We, like many others across this world, will be standing in line for a roll of toilet paper because this nation refused to repent the church, by and large, has put their faith in man and not God. That is the problem. You see, there's no doubt. I don't think there's ever a church you can, from sea from to shining sea, from the east coast to the west coast, from the so- south to the north, and north to the south. There's not a single church that doesn't have faith. But what is their faith in? The church has put their faith in man instead of God, they trust in prophets instead of prophets. The church today, by and large, has more faith in prophets instead of prophets. Y'all see that on the screen? Yeah. For the podcast, it's they have faith in P-R-O-F-I-T-S instead of P R O P H E T S. Prophets instead of prophets. They trust in, uh, of the trust in motivational speeches instead of mourning and preaching. The church trusts in motivational speeches instead of mourning and preaching. The church Trust more in their programs instead of prayer. And y'all see that all in how we're gonna do this? Let's have this little meeting. We're gonna do our council. Can we do this? Collaboration in ideas for different things are not wrong, but it's when we bypass prayer completely, and when we trust in books, and I've seen this, they have they actually have conferences. On how to build the church and it's all advertising it's all investing into this investing into that not a word of prayer I've been unfortunately involved in some of these conferences, and at the time a little ignorant but I'm now seeing the light the Bible says it is God who builds the church and they that labor labor in vain it's God that does it so how do we do it not programs it's prayer the church today trusts more in societal notoriety instead of being well pleased with God, and I put that quote to remind you: "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And let me tell you, there are many times that when God's happy with you, a lot of people won't be, and that's just a, that's an honest to God truth we got to take. I've met so many pastors that are seeking man's approval, jumping into all the chambers of commerces. And again, I'm saying what I'm telling you, what is happening is not necessarily in and of itself wrong, but what I am telling you is that there's much more focus on man's approach than God's approach. Y'all think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you what I know. I've been around many a pastors, and they're so focused on their networking, being loved by the world. It makes you an enemy with God. So many things. I've been told by so many youth uh, pastor of the district offices of such and such and different ones. I've been around the block and a lot of them are encouraging, you know, it's not wrong to meet people. But the focus is the way that man does it and not how God builds the church. And many a times you're going to be connected with people that God says that you're unequally yoked. You're partnering with a ministry that does exactly opposite of what you're preaching. The ones he hates, pray for him, church. Let me tell you something. William J. Seymour had no program. He had no network. He wasn't a member of the Chamber of Commerce. He waited tables out of Louisiana, moved to California, buried literally, as I said before, look, he literally, for hours on end, buried his head in a crate and called out to God for revival. And it shook the planet. No chamber of commerce. No networking. No man's approach. No seeking after community social status. Oh, Brother Danny, he's such a great God. That's great. I hope that it is. But in the end, I want God to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. Come on. And now, they trust in lastly this. Soft sermons. Instead of soul-searching, anointed, truth-bearing, bondage-breaking proclamation of the whole counsel, God. Truth-bearing, not holding back like I did today. It's not easy, but I have to be obedient. Amen, church? Bondage-breaking. Lord knows I've experienced that. If you know my testimony, proclamation, not ashamed, to proclaim, to shout it from the rooftops. And the entire council of God, I'm referring to the part of God that says, I actually hate your worship because you're standing there singing how great thou art and you're still living in sin. The whole council of God, all the things, not just the macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes, the peas and carrots. The part when I was a kid, I said I didn't like because I wanted cereal instead of, See? We just like children, we come to God, we want the cereal, we want the, the cupcakes, we want our dessert, but we don't want the meat and potatoes. Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. I, I feel the word of the Lord has, has spoken what needs to be spoken, and I'm not going to go to the entirety of the passage, but I do invite you to, if you're taking notes, write down Isaiah 30. For the sake of time, I do want to reference a few of these verses Because it is also imperative, because what happens is the first chapter, it was talking about a generic rebellion where the nation of Israel, i.e. the church today, chose to rebel against God and still hang on to their religion. And he says, I hate it. It's time for you to do this. Look, there's hope. Wash yourself. Cleanse. Let's reason together. Let's come together and realize this is insane. Common sense says we have to repent of our sins. That's basically what God was saying and cease from doing evil. When you choose God, He will fill you with that grace to empower yourself to resist sin, and it'll be easy or easier. Amen? Amen. When you come to that point of uh, ready. Now, here's the issue, too. It it exposes the heart of their rebellion. Isaiah 30 reveals the specific nature, and here's the first step that happens to many of us, going back to people trusting in man and ideologies and psychology. I've heard uh, church leaders post things that are all out of books of psychology and not what the scripture says. And I'm here I'm and I'm reading with my wife quotes from these Christian people that in all good intentions, I don't doubt their sincerity. They're just deceived. Amen? And I have compassion for that. Pray for them. But the issue is they're so enamored with this, uh, the wisdom of man quoting out of books that is in direct contradiction to the Scriptures. Now here's the thing. This is what that, that happens. Woe to the rebellious children. This is chapter 30, Isaiah, same book, verse 1. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, take counsel. Here's the issue. Not of me. Everybody say, not of me. Not of you. That cover with a covering, but it's not my spirit. And why? So that. It says, so that. That means this is why they're doing it. So that they may add sin to, sin to sin, to sin, to sin, to sin, to sin, to sin, to sin. They don't seek after God because that's going to bring conviction. They're seeking counsel. It's not of me. It's a covering, all right? It's a mask. It looks good, but that's why they do it, so they can still sin and sin. <sighs> that's just the introduction. I'm not reading the whole chapter. I encourage y'all to do that. Verse 2, it says that they walked down into Egypt. church. Biblically, for our application, Egypt, of course, is a type of the world. When he pulled the Israelites out of Egypt, that was a semblance of God redeeming mankind out of their bondage of sin. So it's the world. They walked down into the world, Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of the world. To build their prestigious buildings, to add the fellowship halls, to go to the Masons and join in with an occult so that they can get finances to build their empire. Notice I said their empire, not his kingdom. It's not a church, it's a pyramid. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be put to your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt to your confusion. Verse 7, it says in verse 7, for the Egyptians shall help in vain, help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore, I cried concerning this, and this is Isaiah saying that. I've cried concerning that they would rather choose in Egypt to trust in Egypt than God. Their strength is to sit still. That's powerful. You're stronger when you're sitting still with God waiting on His will than you are trying to do what Egypt would do. You're stronger when you just stop and say, God, nevertheless, let thy will be done than trying to seek after the donations and promotions and networking and becoming so connected with the world and the local communities that you are literally disconnecting from God. I'm going to end on this one. Verse 10, skip down to verse 10. And this is what the church now tells pastors, evangelists, and if they accept prophets, prophets. Verse 10, it says this, which say to the seers, see not... And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Tell us what makes me feel good, Christy. Oh, Pastor Glenn, don't teach, don't preach out a revelation. That's scary stuff. Tell, tell me what makes me feel good. Miranda and I had a direct theological disconnect with close friends of ours who say these words in, these, in this order and believe it to be truth that all prophecy should be edifying and not yeah. convicting or correcting. I say without the name to illustrate my sincerity. I'm not being condescending and prideful and telling, I'm just telling you the truth by stating this. They obviously have not read the Old Testament. In fact, last I checked, I don't think I've read any prophetic word from any of the Old Testament prophets that was like, you're doing good, Corey. Keep it up. The need for the prophet was correction. It's just like this. The reason a doctor exists is because we get sick. The reason God raised up prophets was to correct the nation. So yes, no, we need the truth. But the church of today is more concerned about prophesying unto smooth things. I, I, I highlighted that. Smooth things. But in the end, those smooth things are nothing but deception. Absolutely false. What's crazy is, y'all Y'all have ever seen an ostrich? You know how an ostrich does when it gets crazy and it gets scared? That's them. The church is burying their head in the sand, and judgment is coming. I got news for you. The devil sees your big feathers and your big rear end head in the sand. <laughs> That's what the church is today. The devil seeks whom he may devour. Steal, kill, destroy. And the church is an ostrich in the head in the sand. Don't even see it coming. But it was willful rebellion, church. And and again, I I want you all to understand that the word of the Lord was deliberately delivering this more of a corporate word. With every service, we never want to leave without giving opportunity for you to lay it at the altar. But I say, I say this to let us reason together. If we're the only church, which I know we're not, thank God that this is not arrogance... But in this local community, within the 50-mile radius, if we're the only church that says these words, God, it doesn't matter what this denomination teaches, it doesn't matter how I was raised, God, I want your truth, and your truth of the Word says to repent of your sins, to forsake your sins, and to live a holy life, be ye holy as I am holy. If that's enough to say that we're the only ones that actually teach and actually believe and actually live that, then by golly, so be it. But I pray that we will raise up pastors that will read the word and see it says, I hate your worship. I'm plugging my ears when you raise your hands. I'm turning my eyes away. This is an issue of the church. This is not to poke at you personally, but when the church is preaching that sin is a natural byproduct of humanity, instead of saying it's a natural byproduct of your your, uh, being unsaved, then we have a problem. So when God gave me those, that, that title, I knew what he was saying. I knew what he was saying. It's time for us to reason together. So we can take this revelation of the d- disparity of the modern church and the reality of God's judgment is just down the road. God is raising up Jonahs that don't run from God and that also preach out of a heart of compassion but would say, wake up Nineveh. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. I had to stand before a man who we see things differently theologically and I take it to the word and I had to say, I told my wife, I I felt like I was talking to Pharaoh when I should be talking to Moses, but that is the state of the church. You've got Pharaoh's preaching in pulpits. You've got Egyptians lifting their hands. And I felt the word of the Lord coming and this is going to affect our, because it's affecting our nation church, it's going to affect Simsport, Lesworth, Baton Rouge, it's going to affect everything. And whatever the judgment of God that may or may not come will affect us. And if we're tired of letting the devil trample in, I'm inviting us to reason together. I'm asking for a corporate body that would come to these altars and we're going to pray a prayer of corporate word that says, God, we're crying out for revival. I'm praying that God would raise me up to be a William J. Seymour that says, God, I'm tired of programs. I'm tired of the prosperity. God, I'm ready for prayer. God, I'm ready to raise uplifted hands with a, uh, with clean hands and a pure heart that I shall ascend into the hill and pray for revival it is reasonable for the church to repent of their sin it is reasonable for the pastors to get saved it is reasonable for the pharaohs to be expelled out of these ministries that are building up and propagating programs instead of prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray for Marksville. God, I feel my heart right now. Let's pray for Marksville. God, I pray for every pastor, whether they're Baptist, Catholic, Methodist. I pray that it's the word of God. You raised up Martin Luther that was a Catholic priest that chose to open his word and actually see the truth. God, you can save the priests. God, you can save the Pope. You can save the bishops. You can save the pastors. God, if they would just open their word, that we can choose to follow Christ and that if we rebel and we don't uh, repent of our sins and we don't cease from sin we will go to hell God we pray for our nation God we lift up our politicians almost all of them aren't even saved God we are led by Babylon we are led by Babylon and the United States is going over a cliff I want to hear you pray. I want to hear you pray. I want to hear you pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Come on. Oh, God, we cry out for revival. Next month, God, one blood, let it not be another service. But let's pray for that one blood. That's next month. We've been inviting thousands of people to come. Bring salvation, bring healing, bring deliverance. This is an opportunity that Baton Rouge can experience Azusa Street. Let it come, God, not for our glory, for your glory. Oh, God, let it come. Give us pure hearts. Yes, Jesus. Let us not lift our souls to wonder. Oh, cleanse our hands, cleanse our heart, Hands, O oh God. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Yes, God. And Father God, we know it starts with us. Forgive us of sin. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, and there's issues in your heart that need to be resolved, forgive us, God. Today, we repent. Today we repent, we turn away, we turn away. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, God, save us, Lord. Save the nation, oh, God. We intercede, oh, God, we intercede, oh, Lord. Oh, God, judgment will come without repentance. Oh, God, let the ministers wail between the porch and the altar. Oh, that the United States of America would stop draining their lives, Lord, in drugs and atheism in the name of Jesus. Generation that seeks, seek it, O oh God, or face. Yes, God, we need your presence. We need your presence. Yes, God, yes, God. If this nation does not repent, there will be sure judgment. There has been multiple earthquakes, floods, most of the state of California was in, under fire. There's no doubt the birth pains of judgment has been already enacted. I, I see in the spirit that God's holding the coals as he, he did for Sodom and Gomorrah. it was literally cast down from the altars of heaven. And I see God holding a, a double hand's Lump of coals, but I see those coals were falling through the cracks as a vision God just gave me. And what's happening is those coals falling through the cracks of his fingers were the fires in California, were the floods uh, in Baton Rouge, were all of those things that we're seeing on the news. Right now, we've got a nuclear plant that is at risk uh, uh, because of the floods in Nebraska, I believe. There's so much just in the last 10 years, just in the last 10 years. And God, we, we pray, Lord, that we come to a point where you can take those coals and put it back on the altar and not cast it down on us, God. We see so much word of prophetic warning of floods through the Atchafalai River and the Mississippi River. A lot is happening. Babies are being slaughtered. Where it once was an argument about them not breathing, and we can go to term, now they're pushing for abortions after birth, after they're breathing. We've already shut down a bill that would save a, a botched abortion, that a baby would be, would be treated as a, a human being with medical uh, attention. They shut it down in Congress. They shut it down. God, your anger is just, it's righteous, it's appropriate. But God, I pray that our senators would repent. I pray that our Congress would repent. We pray revival in our churches, God. Come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins were as red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Today, 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 we pray, God, revival.
0: Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.